Well, good morning, everyone. I was sitting with the Lord this morning and just asking him what he wanted. <laughs> a very strange word came to my mind. It's, it's not a word that I would characterize us as at all. And, and so I, I had to have a conversation with the Lord as to what that meant. But that word is slavery. Kind of a weird word, especially here in America. We don't think of that word as being something that we're under. But he began to show me what that meant. Because you can be a slave by choice, a bond slave, which we are in Christ. You can be a slaved people because your direction is dictated by somebody else. Or you can be an actual under-the-fist slave. Right? You can see the differences of those things. This word that he gave me is a depiction of how we are as Americans, and specifically how the bride is as Americans. <sighs> I don't know what the Lord's going to do at, when it, whenever he gives me these buzzwords like this. Um, he just wants me to step, and that's what I'll do. It's his anyways. Father, we worship you. We praise you. We thank you, Lord, for who you are. And we submit ourselves to your will. We desire your will to be done in ignition as you have planned it in heaven. We desire your will to be done in this nation, the United States, as you have planned it from the beginning, before creation ever came to be. We ask for that book. Your plans for America from the very beginning. We stand in agreement with your will. We stand in agreement with your will for your bride. Father, for your bride who you desire to get ready for your son, her groom. Because your bride isn't ready. Her heart is not there. Intellectually, many are there, but their hearts are not there because their hearts are in slavery. So, Father, I ask that you take my voice, that you take my hands, you take my feet, you take my eyes, you take my ears, you take every sense that I have and make it yours and do with it as you please. I ask that every word that come from my mouth not be mine, but it, that, that it is yours. Father, we ask in Jesus' name, amen. See, I think of the time when our Lord was crucified. You think of the 
Israelites at that point in history. They had freedom, but that freedom was limited to their, to their situation because they were under Roman rule. Right? They were not slaves, although some were, certainly. But they were under Roman rule. They could live their lives in the temple as they felt the Lord leading them to do. But it, when it came right down to it, they could not do what the Lord wanted them to do because they did not stand in freedom. Boy, that's, that's a tough situation when you think about it and you apply it to today in America. Because see here, let's think about it a second. In America, we live with freedom for religion, right? We could worship whoever we want, right? Everybody nod your head, right? Are you with me? Yes. See, we could worship whoever we want here in America, as long as we contain it within ourselves, we can do that. We can even get with a group of people that believe the same way we do, and we can worship corporately. But see, we still fall under the guidelines of the authority in this country. As an American, and I... I you know, most in here are Americans, right? As an American, you identify yourself as a Christian. You identify yourself as somebody who would never, get this, never give sacrifice to the enemy, right? You would never go and cut the head of a chicken and offer it to Satan, right? That'd be absurd. That'd be ridiculous. Even more so, you would never take the life of a child. But yet, as an American, you do that every day. Because you're an American. Do you see how we fall under the bond of slavery because of the nation that we live in? This nation that is one nation under God. Under God. The proclamation of this nation when it began was correct. One nation under God. The intent of this nation was to bring freedom from religious oppression. Not to then replace it with a different kind of religious oppression. But yet that's what we have in this nation today. And sadly... Because of the bride. See, it's because of those who believe in Jesus Christ that do not have the guts, that do not have the internal fortitude or the willingness to stand up even if, if it costs them their lives. I don't know about you, but I feel that tide is turning. I feel that tide is changing because it's God's desire, his desire for this nation to be what it was intended to be. 
Now let me explain that for a second. Because see, it would be just as wrong for the bride to have complete control of this country and to say everybody will worship Jesus Christ. See, that's going the other direction. That's doing the same thing that they, through Satan, are doing to us. That would be wrong. If you need some proof of that, I just submit the fact that Jesus never did that. He never forced you to believe in him. He never forced you to serve him. He never forced you to love him. He just offered it to you. However, the intention should be that those who serve the God of this universe, the one that was to bring freedom in this land, can be propelled forward to places of influence. That's the beauty of our country. See, we, we, don't, we don't sit under a king. And I mean in our country, our, our country's makeup. We don't sit under rulers in that way. See, our rulers are elected. Our rulers are such that you mess up these next four years, don't plan to be there for more. That's how it's set up. And Satan's taken advantage of that in many ways. And we all know God has begun to bring change in that way. I love how he does it. You know, God's, God is just not real subtle when it comes to what he wants. He says, you know what, if you're not going to change because of your hearts, I'm going to put something in place that will be so offensively in your face that it will force you to choose hot or cold. See, that's what's happening to the bride right now. God is disgusted with lukewarm. It disgusts him. So he's going to force a choice of hot or cold. And, and by the way, I'm not talking to those who do not know Christ. I'm talking to Christians. I'm talking to people who know Jesus Christ as Savior. He is going to draw a line in the sand and say, get on the right or the left. Get on the hot or the cold. Because this middle ground doesn't work anymore. Because it's time for his bride to be readied. See, that bleeds over to this country. Do you know in the Constitution, it was set up to protect our rights as Christians. Do you know as Christians, even as a church, it was set up in our Constitution to protect our beliefs as a unit, as a corporate unit. And yet Satan's done this amazing job at blinding the bride to that. Dangled a carrot in front of the bride's face and said, Hey, if you just go ahead and do this, sign up as a 501c3, and then we'll give you this tax deduction. We'll, we'll let you have these benefits. Just sign here. And 99.9, I would almost say 100% of the churches that have signed that 
Because we were one. When we first started, I didn't know any different. And that's exactly how we signed up, was as a 501c3. But for those churches, and I'm speaking online, for those churches, go back and read what you actually signed. Go back and read. I did. Go back and read what you actually agreed to. Who you placed in authority over your church. It was at that moment that I realized that we cannot be a 501c3, so we changed. And I started digging into the Constitution, started digging into IRS code, realizing, wow, we never had to do that in the first place. See, the Constitution protects us. It protects us. And, and not just Christians, but any church. Any church, that's why you can come and you can, you could believe any belief you want that doesn't impede on somebody else. And that's a beauty of our country. But here's the problem. Others' beliefs impede on my belief with Jesus Christ. Because babies are sacrificed every day. That's against what I believe. That's against who Jesus Christ is. And yet we have a majority in this country that stays silent to that effect. Now, I know I'm preaching to the choir. I know I'm preaching to the choir. This is more for online, I suppose. Because I know we get that. We get the fact that that is supposed to be different. We should no longer separate ourselves from this state. Church should not be separate from the country. It should infect the country. It should infiltrate every position of this country for the glory of who we know is the God. See, we have a benefit. We have a benefit of knowing the true God. Because that means we have a partnership in something well beyond our dimensions. And if, if, you, if people are not a Christian, they don't see that. But what they will see is they will see that the favor comes from outside the bride. If you don't believe me, Open up Revelation 3.9. It says in there that the world will come to honor the church. Hasn't happened yet, has it? In fact, Bill and I were talking this morning. Since the inception of the church 2,000 years ago, there has never been a time after that first 5,000 came to know the Lord, there's never been a time of total unity in the bride. Because Satan attacked right away. Satan went after it right away. But yet, there has to come a time where the bride becomes ready. What does that mean, to be ready? Well, think about it. If you have two people that get married, and the one wasn't ready, what happens to that marriage? There's all kinds of problems. Right? All kinds of problems. 
It's met in divorce. All kinds of things happen because they weren't fully committed. Why do we assume it should be any different with the bride? It's because from our mind frame, to be part of the bride is what we get. It's how it affects us in our lives. Well, we get our golden ticket. We get our ticket to heaven. We don't have to even see death eternally. And by the way, all that's true. We do. Praise God. Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. We can't even give it away if we wanted to. Because we didn't pay for it. It was given as a gift and we received it. So all we have to do is receive his free gift. But the problem is, that is not a ready bride. A ready bride is not one that has their ticket to get into the event. A ready bride is the one who comes to engage. Who comes hand in hand with her Savior, saying, I am one with Him. It's just like a marriage. A successful marriage. They don't just become one flesh. That's easy. They become one in spirit. That's harder. Because it takes humility. It takes giving everything. If you don't believe me, ask some of the people here that have been married. Going on 31 years. Right? It takes effort. It takes 100% commitment. Now, from the groom's side, he's already committed 100%. He gave his life. He gave everything. He already showed his commitment. That's why it's not a readied couple. Well, the, the couple will be readied. No, half the couple's already ready. <laughs> right? The groom is already ready. He gave his life for his bride. The bride is the one to be readied. And, and this is, in history, it's, it's not like there have never been readied Christians, because it's not about that. Because there have been, all throughout history. That is what has precipitated the bride. That, that's what's precipitated evangelism, and, and church, and growth, and everything else. The difference is the bride has never spoken as one. And when you think about it, wow, that's an ominous thought. I don't know how many people are Christians, truly Christians in the world. You know, I, I would imagine, you know, billions maybe? There's, what, seven billion people in the world? I, I would like to think a billion of them would be Christian. I don't know, maybe not. But even, even hundreds of millions... Forget that. Let, let's say a thousand. How, how hard is it to think that you could get a thousand people to walk together? Can you understand? I, I don't even want to use frustration because he's patient. But can you imagine what that looks like from God's perspective? Two thousand years later. If we could just get them to walk together. I, 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 I'm sure, I'm sure 
There have been so many times that he's just wanted to jump in and let me just change this, change it. Obviously, he doesn't and he can't. Because that would negate our choice. That would negate love. But I know if it were me, being human, I'd be like, oh, you know what? Let me take back that whole choice thing. Because <laughs> this is just taking way too long. This is way too hard. That's because he needs our agreement. He needs our agreement. And he desires our agreement. He wants us to be in agreement with him. And to walk. That, that's why church is not supposed to have borders. I, I was talking with, uh, with another pastor yesterday. And, and we were just talking about the fact that I don't even think so much it's that churches don't play well together. I think it's pastors don't play well together. I think, honestly, I think the churches would be fine. I think the people would be fine. It's their leadership that has a problem. It's their leadership that is so afraid of losing somebody who pays a tithe or losing somebody that their rear end fills a seat. Maybe that's why God's kept us small. We don't have seats to fill. (laughs) Right? I'm okay with that. But you know, at some point, we've got to get with everyone else. At some point, the bride has to come to the understanding that we're all one. Can you imagine? Forget the rest of the world for a second. Can you just imagine, and you know what, forget the United States. Imagine if the bride came together in Delaware, in just Delaware. Imagine that. Do you know Delaware is one of the most liberal states? It is. It's insane. Not sure why God has had me here for 22 years. I've clearly had no effect. (laughs) But imagine if the bride came together just in Delaware. It was interesting, I was, I was actually talking to the Lord about this this morning. Can't remember the guy's name. Who is our senator? He, he, he's, no, not Carper. The other one. Coons. Coons. Yeah, I, oh, this is online. Oh, well. I was talking to the Lord about him this morning. And what's interesting is the Lord was sharing me his heart for this guy. And it was not what I expected. See, I fully expect that when the bride rises up, even here in Delaware, you're going to see some of these lives in our leadership change. I think you're going to see his life change because I believe he's going to come to know the Lord. And the passion in truth that he shows for the wrong thing now will be fought for the right thing. But bottom line, when the bride comes together here in Delaware, that leadership will reflect the bride. But yet we don't. We don't come together. We fight over these little morsels of food. Because, see, we have a building that we have to pay for. 
or we have this program that we need to do because we know that in this program we'll get a 20% response and that 20%, 2% of that 20% then is going to give this much. So we know and have calculated out that if we do this, we will receive this. And the sad thing is, it's true. It's true. Those formulas work. That's why the church grabs on to them and uses them. And God sits back the whole time and he says, Oh, if you would only know, you're, you're fighting for crumbs. Do you know, it's insane here. I, it, what this church does and brings in monetarily is... It, Absolutely makes no sense. Do you know that in the last, I want to say 12 months, in the last 12 months, we have had, I think, over $60,000 go just toward Nigeria. That doesn't count, by the way, guys. That doesn't count all the money that we have just been given to pay for some construction. Think about that. I mean, we're mostly young people in here. Now, Now, not all that money comes from this church. It comes from outside. But isn't that kind of the point? God didn't say that he owns a, cow, a, a thousand cattle on your hill. And then he'll give you one of your cattle. Didn't say that. In fact, the Lord has shown, it, it was interesting because he showed me, I think he showed Shannon, he showed, there was somebody else who told me about this last week, and then, was it Melody? Maybe Melody, I can't remember, but there, there were like three or four confirmations of this, this vision of a storehouse. And I think maybe, Mom, you were, you were another one. This storehouse that was filled with grain, filled with provision, and the Lord said, this is my storehouse for ignition, it will never run out. And so, we're just saying, blow those doors wide open. But see, that doesn't have to come from a program. It doesn't have to come from a planned sequence of A plus B equals C. All it has to come from is a heart that says, do what you want, Lord. Do what you want. The provision is his. Why do you think God said you cannot serve man or money and God at the same time? Because you're going to be controlled by one or the other. It didn't mean believe in money and I worship the green stuff. You know, some people do that. That's probably a little sad. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about being controlled by you cannot serve God and serve money at the same time. And yet churches try to do it every day in this country. Because they take the control themselves for the money. That's why they're worried about people. You know, I was telling that pastor yesterday, I said, I said wow, we, we have kind of an opposite thought process. I said, I want to grow so we could get rid of people. See, that doesn't make sense. I was, <laughs> we've been trying to get rid of Corey for a while. 
No, but but in in reality, if we're doing what we're supposed to be doing, our doors are rotating. People are coming in, becoming prepared, and not staying, but going. Right? Just like just like the, the group of people we have going to Nigeria in October and then again after the first of the year. If they are if 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 our doors are not outgoing too, then we're not affecting anything outside of our own walls. And see, Satan loves that. Satan does not care the bride today worrying about what's inside their walls. Because he knows the second they stop worrying about what's inside their walls and start going after what's outside their walls. That's when he's in trouble. And I don't mean in evangelism either. And, and by the way, I love evangelism. It, it's, it's how I got started. But real evangelism comes from relationship. We've talked about that. Okay, I've led a ton of people to the Lord. Just talking to them about Christ, leading to them to the Lord. But you know... The ones that have really added value are the ones that I was able to pour in. The ones that I built relationship with. And and by the way, the pouring into them was also pouring into me. That's how evangelism is supposed to be. Can you imagine how the bride will be when she figures that out? When it's no longer supposed to be about getting people within our walls, but, but man, I'll tell you what, if we could, if we could have a plan to take a group of people from ignition and, and literally infiltrate each church in Delaware, what that would do. In some cases, that would, that would just light the church on fire. In other cases, or, <laughs> oh, people might be killed, I don't know. But honestly, that's what it's supposed to be. That's what it will be with Ignition. Because, see, we don't serve money here. We just trust that God will provide. You know, like I said last week, we went to go literally begin construction <laughs> with 33 cents. And the Lord said, just go. Just go. So I'm thinking in my mind, and and forgive me, Lord. I'm thinking in my mind, well, at the very beginning, I'll be able to plan. You know, it doesn't cost me anything to plan. I didn't think I'd actually, and and that's my lack of faith. Although in my mind, it didn't matter. In my mind, he would provide when and how much he wanted to, when he wanted to. It didn't matter. But in reality, we didn't go with 33 cents. We went with $33,000. And by the way, the construction on the temporary housing is, I mean, it's going fast. It's ridiculous. He sends me pictures every day, and I'm like, wow. We we aren't even near that fast here in America. (laughs) Shows you the difference when you don't have to get all the paperwork like, like what we have to here. But it's going fast. I can't wait. When we, when Michael and I go in the middle of July, um, it won't be done, at least I hope not, because I haven't told them to do certain things. I wanted to see it myself. 
but it'll be close. I think, I think when we go back the time after that, before October, I think that's where we'll stay. Because it's going so fast. See, we didn't try to manipulate that. We didn't try to plan that. We didn't try to add A and B so we could have C. And, and by the way, I'm not downing fundraising. It just needs to be of God. This thing that we're going to be doing with HSP, which is fundraising nationally. Great. Lord, if that's what you want, do it. We never pursued them. They pursued us. That was God opening a door and saying, here, go in and talk to them. And I I mean them talking to us. They were the ones that asked for the meeting, not us. That's God. That's God, guys. God can do it a million different ways. And, And I think when you let him, he just sits back and enjoys it. But see, let's bring it back to our personal lives here for a second. Because on a corporate level for the church, okay, that's easy. We could decide to do that. But then now in my personal life, yeah, I need a little more control in my personal life. Right? I need a little more control. So, so I'm just going to do this because I know to do this and I know what it will produce. I've been seeking the Lord on it. And, you know, this is the only thing in front of me. And i got to tell you, I know I, I've, I've been there a thousand times. I know what that feels like, and it's a difficult place to be. But honestly, when you give something to the Lord, you give it to the Lord. When you give something to the Lord, you give it all the way. I remember I was so determined in that when we closed our business five years ago. I was so determined in that that when Alex came to me a few months later, and, and I mean, we're behind on bills, things are rough, everything else, didn't have a job. We hadn't even started the church yet, right? We had no source of income, although we still had our bills. And she comes to me and pray and, and, and says, can we pray about this? And I'm like, no way. That's probably the wrong reaction, by the way. I, I just want you to know that. But I said, no way. The Lord promised. And I think I even reacted like that, didn't I? <laughs> kind of agitated. Like, no, he promised. <laughs> well, thankfully, the Lord knows my heart and not my attitude. Because it was a wrong attitude. Because it's never wrong to pray for something. It's always, in fact, Wendy reminded us lately, we need to be praying for the building. And, and I'll share with you, Wendy, if you remind me, I'll share, share with you something about that that I I believe why he laid that on your heart. But bottom line is I knew, I knew we will either flourish or we will die. That's how important it was to me to not involve myself in that decision. And we flourished doesn't mean you don't go through difficult things. And, and I, know, I know I'm preaching to the choir here. I mean, I mean, even as a church, you know, in the last six months, God's telling all these people to quit their jobs. <laughs> and I'm like, Lord, okay, no problem. We're going to go through a time of testing in that. But Lord, make their hearts strong. And that's exactly what he's done. 
That's what he's done time and time again here. But he wants to do that for the bride as a whole. See, he wants what's going on here to infiltrate the leadership of this country. That's what a ready bride will do. And, and by the way, that won't be an easy process. Because they, the, time, the side that does not want that, see, they don't see the way we see abortion. They don't see it the same way. They, they don't even see it as life. They see it as a right that a woman has over her own body. And I can understand the deception there, but that's exactly what it is. It's deception. Because that is life. That's a separate life. It's not any life that you have a right to control because life is given by God. So where's the bride on that? Where's the bride on these things? Usually fighting amongst themselves for scraps. not where he wants us to be. Lord wants us to turn to Ephesians chapter 3. I want to go through some of this because these things even infiltrate our daily lives and what God wants from us. Let's just, I'm just going to read. I'm going to read until the Lord tells me to stop, but we're going to be chapter 3, start at verse 7. And this, prior to this, Paul was talking about, he was, he was revealing that this, this great mystery that was all throughout the Old Testament, he gets to reveal, and that was the fact that Gentiles were grafted in. So verse 7, Of this gospel I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace which was given me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for the ages in God who created all things. By the way, don't, don't be myopic in your thinking and think that, well, it was just one mystery, and that is that the, the Gentiles now get to be saved. That was part of the mystery. But that, not, that is not the entire mystery. So that through the church, through the bride, through those who have accepted Jesus Christ as Savior, the manifold wisdom of God. What does manifold mean? In the Greek, it means varied. Right? It means different. The various, the various wisdoms of God. Not just a single wisdom of accept Jesus Christ and you get to go to heaven. You get this golden ticket to get in the door. Right? That's, that's single wisdom. That's not what it's talking about here. It's talking about the manifold wisdom of God. The, the varied wisdom of God might now be made known to who? To the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. That's an extraordinary statement. Because you would think that it would need to be made known to humans. 
not what he said here. I, I don't know about you, but I grew up thinking that there was a separation between the heavenly realm and our human realm. And there is, but that separation comes because of us, right? But I used to think, well, except for strategy, you know, Satan's people know what's going on because God, you know, they, they live in the same realm and God kind of kind of has to tell them. And, and so they know what's going on. And we're just kind of the pawns between these two powers that are fighting. Not that they have equal power because they not even close. Never. I've never believed that. But because of God allowing choice, that gives Satan power to manipulate in people's lives. And I used to think, well, well, Satan knows way more about what's going on than I do. That's how I used to believe. Wow, that flies in the face of this here. Let's read it again. So that through the church, through the bride, through those who have accepted Jesus Christ into, into their hearts, the varied wisdom of God might be now made known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly places. It's my responsibility. It's your responsibility to make known the wisdom of God to declare it, not just in this realm, but in the realm that is unseen. Why? Why in the world is that important? Can't God declare it? Don't they know because He declares it? No, see, do you understand that when the declaration comes from our mouth, that is the declaration of faith because we believe it without seeing it. We believe it by faith. Faith is rooted in love and hope. So literally, when we declare those words, we declare to the enemy, you are nothing. You are nothing. Stay out of the way, or you will be crushed. <laughs> just, like, just like that picture of that snake over at, your, at, at the McConaughey's house the other night. We went over and we were praying with them, and, and, and Michelle told me the other day, and, and Bill told me this morning that he went out the next day, um, I don't know, take trash out or something, and, and there was this you know, two-foot black snake with its head just crushed. In the street. <laughs> Call that ironic. <laughs> Call that a metaphor. Call it whatever you want, but that snake had no more head. Right? That's what we're to declare to Satan's realm. See, Satan is not somebody to be afraid of, Satan is not somebody to. Be cautious and let rule your life out of fear or trepidation. He is a fallen being that is given authority simply because of us. Do you understand what I'm saying? We're the ones that give him authority. We're the ones that give his minions power and his minions authority because of our fear because of our lying, because of our sin, 
We're the ones that give him power. So think about it. If we're the ones that give him power, who can take away his power? We can. The bride. You can in your life individually. When you let Jesus Christ flow through your life in relationship and he begins to purify your life and get rid of authorities that are in your life, the enemy is diminished. So imagine that you've seen that in your own life. You've seen that in your own relationship with him. Imagine that on a grand scale of the bride. And you wonder why Satan's scared. Yeah, he should be. He should be. He's had very little to be afraid of for a long time. Certainly afraid of individuals, even individual churches. But he has never had to be afraid of the bride as a whole. But yet that day's coming. You know what? We'll come back to this, but I, I want you I know we've you probably have it memorized. Go to Revelation chapter three. We haven't read this in a while. Let's see if it's still the same. <laughs> Revelation 3, verse 9. I'll point out the fact that it's before verse 10, which is the rapture. Okay? Behold, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say that they are Jews and are not, but lie. Behold. Now, he's talking about the world. He's talking about those who do not know Jesus Christ. He says, Behold, I will make them come and bow down before your feet. First of all, who's this letter written to? The church. Who's this letter written by? Jesus. It wasn't even penned by, no, this was written by Jesus. If you look at the beginning, it says, To the seven churches, right? Jesus wrote to these seven churches. I will make them come and bow down at your feet, and they will learn that I have loved you. They will learn that I have loved you. How do you think the world's going to learn that Jesus loves us, that God loves us? How do you think they will learn? Is it because we, we hold to ourselves, hope that we can have a few people at church on Sunday so we can... We can have this great program and, and this great worship team. And, and, oh, man, we're up to two services now. And this is, oh, there we go. Now we're in our third service. And that's awesome. And come see, come see, come see. You know, the only ones who see that are the other churches that want the same thing. That's all. Nobody else is. Because, see, God isn't in control of that. And, and by the way, I'm not saying every church is bad. Please understand. There, there's, there's no specific judgment here. That is God's. All I'm saying, and I'm not even saying a big church is bad. Uh, God can do what he wants. He, I mean, he gave the, he gave the, the apostles 5,000 right off the bat. I mean, that's a big church. <laughs> right? They went from 120 to 5,000. Boom. Or no, I think it was 3,000, then 5,000, all within, I believe, about 10 days or two weeks. Think about that. Think about two weeks from now adding 8,000 people to our church here. 
my parents would flip out. You, you talk about filling up the church, yeah. But, so it's, it's not about size, it's about the heart. It's about the heart. And what God wants to do in those individuals and in those churches is have the world recognize that he has favor on them. That's going to happen from a ready bride. That's going to happen when the bride goes into the influential places in all seven mountains of this country. Specifically politics. Specifically politics. See, and I'm not talking about people that run as a Christian and, you know, here's my label. I'm a Christian. I'm talking about people, and Donald Trump will be one of them. I don't know if he's saved yet. There's part of me that really believes he is not. I I believe he, he believes he's a Christian. And who knows, that's not for me to judge or not. But I, but I will tell you what I know will happen. Before he is out of office in six more years, he will proclaim and shout from the Holy Spirit, filling him so much with love. See, that's what God wants in positions of leadership. Leadership that will turn and say, Lord, whatever you want. Whatever you want. You know, I, I, I have leadership over this group. I have leadership over this state. I have leadership over this country. God, whatever you want to do, filter through me. Because even though the leadership has been given to me, I give it to you, Father. That's what we need in our places, in our political places of leadership. And do you know, if the bride would just come together and recognize who the bride's groom really is. That's part of the problem. But when she comes together and does that, it will infiltrate every one of the seven mountains in this country. So go back. Go back to Ephesians chapter 3. So our purpose is to let the rulers and authorities in heavenly places know this manifold wisdom of God. Verse 11. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. And verse 13. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I'm suffering for you, which is your glory. Understand what Paul's saying here. It is because of that manifold wisdom of God and our relationship with Him that we can come to Him in boldness and say, do what you want. Take my feet. Move them how you want to move them. But see, he requires us to be bold. He was telling them, don't lose heart. Don't be afraid because I'm in prison. In the circumstances that Paul was in, he said, don't, don't, don't diminish my voice because of where I am. See, he wants you to do the same. 
Jesus wants you to do the same. No matter your position, no matter where you are in life, He wants you to have a boldness to speak for Him. Ooh, that's where the rubber meets the road sometimes. That's where we start talking about comfort zones <laughs> and how we like our comfort zones. And, and again, I know this, this church is like preaching in the choir, but, but in reality, every single one of us, no matter where we're at, no matter how we have no problem going up and talking to anybody, we still have comfort zones that we develop. But see, because of the manifold wisdom of God that we have access to, as we build relationship with him and he gives us that, that manifold wisdom, then we're to step in boldness. That's why this is supposed to be a revolving door. Because, and not, not that you come in, get something, and leave, and we never, never talk again. No. You know, the relationship we build while we're together, it'll last for an eternity. Not just a lifetime, but an eternity. Because that, that group going to Nigeria in October, I mean, do you think that once they leave, well, okay, good luck to them, we'll pray for them, they'll be on my prayer list. But we're really not connected with them anymore. No, I mean... First of all, I doubt anybody thinks that. But if you think that, don't. Because that's not the case. It, it's, it's more like this group here, like this. And now there's an arm reaching out here. That arm doesn't get cut off. That arm is reaching. And then there'll be another arm. And another arm. And from here, there'll be arms that start to reach. But we remain the same family. That's why I said if you're here at this stage, you have more responsibility than you can possibly imagine because of the calling that the Lord has on ignition. We do it as a group no matter where we are, no matter where God takes us. We do it as a group. So we can't lose heart when we see the things coming against us. We can't lose heart when we, when we see all the things going on politically that, okay, wait, this, this seems to fly in the face of what God's telling us. This seems to be going opposite of what God's telling us. And yet we're not to lose heart with what he said. Because looks can deceive you. What's really going on can deceive you. Satan's really good at that. That's why when we're given the manifold wisdom and we declare it out loud, we are literally throwing in Satan's face the truth of what God has said. I mean, do you, do you think that it's important for me to get up here and talk about what Donald Trump is going to do for you to believe it? No. You already believe it. I mean, maybe some here don't. But for the most part, you already believe it. Who do you think that is for? That's for the rulers. That's for the authorities. That's a warning to them to get out of the way, or their head will be crushed like that snake. You don't think 
they take a warning like that seriously? You bet they do. You bet they do because they've seen it. You don't think they live in fear? You know, we know fear is a spirit, but see, fear is one of those spirits that's not controlled. The authority of fear is different. Satan can use that. But see, fear can be turned back upon itself. You don't think some of these principalities experience fear? You bet they do. You bet Satan's afraid. And I declare, pour it on. Pour it on. I remember back when we were first dealing with the destroyer, and the Lord Lord told me to taunt him. And I'm like, you know, it was like a week later, and I'm talking to the Lord about it. And, you know, I just don't know what else to say. You know, I'm calling him a coward. I'm calling him a baby. I'm calling him this. I'm calling him that. You know, that's what I'm thinking in terms of taunting, right? And the Lord said, I said, what should I say to him? And he said, well, tell him what's going to happen to him. Tell him his fate. Tell him his future. That's declaring truth into the heavenly realm. Satan is going to be bound. One day, Satan will be bound, cast to the abyss, and the abyss be cast out into the outer darkness. He's gone, period. End of story. That is Satan's future. That is these principalities' future. That's the manifold wisdom of God being declared into the heavenlies. Do you know when you declare that, all of a sudden, as they are starting to, you know, they've been trying to get you down and trying to go after you, and you don't know where it's coming from. I'll tell you what. Start declaring truth out loud and see what that does. Write down some key verses on a 3 by 5 card, and you start feeling this way. Start out loud Speaking it out into the atmosphere. What you're doing is you are telling those in the heavenly realm, here's the truth. And by the way, it's not truth because you believe it. It's truth because it's truth. It's truth because of who God is. See, that's the beauty of this whole thing behind all of us. We have the true God on our side. So we don't have to do this by ourselves. We can trust in what he's doing. So just trust in him. Trust in him. And, and, and by the way, if you want to ask how well that works, ask some. There, there are people here that have those cards. Right? Deborah has those cards. Alexis has those cards. Brooke has those cards. My handwriting's so bad a card wouldn't help. <laughs> Unless somebody types it for me, maybe. <laughs> I think he's wanting me to stop here, but maybe we'll go on with Ephesians 3 next week. Let me just read verse 20. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we could ask or think, According to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. 
See, this is a declarative statement. A declarative statement saying to him who is able to do way more than you could possibly imagine. Possibly think. To him be the glory in the bride. To him be the glory in the church. May the church, may the bride be about him. And not about what they can achieve. Let's pray. Father, we worship you and praise you. We thank you for your love, Lord. We thank you for your mercy, your grace. And Father, we do declare into the atmosphere your truth. Your truth that your bride will become readied. That even in this state, I declare it now in Jesus' name to all the heavenly authorities that this state, this state, Delaware, will be a state and will become a state for Jesus Christ. I declare it in his name because it is not through our power, it is through his power. So Father, we say do your will. Give us a boldness. Help fear to be struck from our lives. But to simply grow in the boldness of relationship with you. We love you, Father. In Jesus' precious name, amen. So if you want to tie together that first word, slavery, how did that tie into everything that he said? Really, in a nutshell, it is a slavery mindset doesn't allow the bride to be ready, and we need to be free of that. And I was thinking of Jesus setting the captives free. Um, But one thing that really struck me is something that the Lord showed me this past week pertaining to um, our human reasoning. And in Mark chapter 8, you know, when Jesus is warning the disciples, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod that represent the two major influences. The the Pharisees represent the religious system, and Herod represented that the government, that humanistic mindset. Those two things, leaven is is like a yeast, and it just takes over. It literally changes the makeup of bread. And, of course, who, you know, give us this day our daily bread. The, The thinking, the thoughts of Jesus are how we are set free. We're set free from mindsets of slavery. So we have to be very careful of the mindset of this world, that leaven, that yeast that can take over and change us and keep us captive because we know about the battle and the war in our minds. And, and so many things that he said about how the bride thinks is, is where they've not been able to rise up. And uh, the best example is the serving of mammon and the serving of money. You know, so many times, um, even growing up, I learned principles of tithing, but it was always connected to the needs in the church. And it's not a bad thing at all to say that, hey, there's a need. You know, there's a need here. And when we we raised money for the rice for the IDP camps, that was great. And the refugees and people at that time, before even the camps were formed. But when the Lord says in Scripture that he loves a cheerful giver, what if, what if uh, there's a small church that has... Seven multimillionaires in it. Would that make 
the, the widow with two pennies that she gave when she gave all she had, would that make it seem insignificant? See, if you measure things humanly, you'd think that, well, that church really doesn't need any money. they got people that have money in it. I mean, the Lord knows that I'm struggling. So, you know, he's going to understand if I don't tithe when somebody else that has a lot of money tithes. That's how things get all messed up in, in our personal tithing. God's blessing is upon us when we just give to him cheerfully, just like our yes in every other way. And churches make mistakes by thinking that tithers are what meet the need. God will meet the need. Just plain old simple, he'll meet the need. It's almost like it's completely separate. It's almost like tithing is a principle of your yes, and the needs met in the church is something separate. They're connected, but when the leadership connects the two together humanly, that's when we go off course. Every time. Every time. That's when you get panic. That's when you get, oh, well, this church wants to join with this another church so we can do an event together. Yeah, but what if they really like them better than us? And then we'll lose people. And what if we lose our, our tithers? And you know, Then it, it corrupts your thinking. When Jesus is just like, look, be careful of that kind of thinking. Be careful of the religious spirit thinking, that pharisaical thinking, and that humanistic thinking that, that brings you into... Your walk with me from a human standpoint. You'll be a slave forever if you think like that. That is what this message was about today. The freedom from that. When we are broken free, that's why God's teaching us about the courts. When the bride is broken free of that, they will be ready for the glorious return of the groom representing Jesus. So it's really exciting, but it's so important that we take each step and we walk each step in this this mindset. I pray every day that the Lord just changed my thinking. And that's really what repentance is that I mentioned during communion. Repentance isn't just being sorry when we mess up. That's, we are forgiven. We are, he's faithful and just to forgive us. But true repentance is a, a sorrow for what we've done in a desire to completely change. Like, I want a complete takeover. I want a repentance that turns completely away from that into something new. It's, it's almost like a replacement situation where I'm saying sorry for that. I want, to, I want forgiveness for that. And with your help, I want such a new mindset. I don't even do that again. I'm completely turning away. And that's true repent. That's the repentant, the contrite heart that Psalm 51 talks about in David's prayer after, after he sinned with Bathsheba. So, um, so this, is, this is such an important Concept and, and I know that's why the Lord wanted this to be um, on our hearts and our thoughts today because he just, he does. He is the other side of the spirit falling, the other side of these events that are coming is still, no matter how much more power and miracles and these great things we're going to be experiencing, it's still going to be every day you wake up, you make a choice. Yes. You choose God. You still decide. There are two trees always still in your garden. You choose one. And you don't touch the other. And that's really what it boils down to. So it's not something we can't just wait and think that, okay, well, we'll just kind of ride and, and finally it'll be better. No, he's training us right now to be consistent in what we will still need to be consistent in even after he comes in greater measure um, in terms of, of external manifestations of his power. So um, so thank you. That was such a great, great message. And um, I really hope that you mark down those Ephesians verses because that's such a significant thing. We talked about that even Tuesday, this declaring, this speaking out 
who you are to the enemy because every time they observe that you don't, it gives that that opportunity to uh, to take advantage of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I just I walk around my house all the time, you know, praising the Lord Jesus. Not not always just talking directly to the enemy. Not that at all. Not unless that's needed to get rid of them. But I declare who I love. What you know. Who I love and what I love about my King and Savior, yeah. and uh, I want that to be said out of my mouth all the time. I want my lips. It's it's the scripture that says, "I believed, therefore I've spoken," and I love that scripture because it is such an important thing. So that's so good. Um, today, speaking of believing and speaking, 